0: Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. When the Minnesota Twins walk out onto Target Field in Minneapolis for their home opener tomorrow, the starting lineup will, of course, be all men. But there are a lot of women working off the field to make a twin season possible. That includes some women in top leadership positions. It wasn't that long ago that women were a rare sight in the male-dominated front office staff of professional sports teams. Now teams in Minnesota and now have women in several leadership roles, heading up everything from human resources and legal departments to marketing and accounting. This hour, we're going to talk about and talk with three women sports leaders here in Minnesota about their experiences and how the front office is changing. And I want to hear from you too. Are you a woman working in a field that has been historically dominated by men? What challenges and changes have you seen? The phone lines are open. You can call us at 651 227 6000. Again, that number is 651 227 6000. You can also call 800-242-2828 800-242-2828 or tweet me at Angela Davis NPR. Let's bring in our guests. We have with us today, Nancy O'Brien. Nancy is vice president of community engagement for the Minnesota Twins. She's in her 22nd season with the team and stepped into her current role back in 2019. Her first job in professional sports was with the Oakland Athletics. Good morning to you, Nancy.
1: Good morning.
0: Hi, thank you for joining us on a busy
1: day. Excited to be here.
0: Thank you. (laughs) We also have here in the studio, Laura Juris. Laura is Executive Vice President and Chief People and Culture Officer with the Minnesota Vikings. She joined the Vikings in November of 2018. And before that, she worked in baseball, 12 years for the Atlanta Braves, and before that, the Detroit Tigers. Good to meet you, Laura. Thank you for being here.
2: Good morning. Happy to be here.
0: And Andrea Yock is here, President and Co-Founder of Minnesota Aurora, the community-owned, pre-professional Women's soccer team based in Egan. She was previously a vice president at Minnesota United and has a long career in sales and marketing and got her start as a sports journalist. Hi, Andrea. Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Nancy. Yes, I imagine you guys uh, have worked together and done some things. Know of each other? We have.
3: Yeah, Nancy and I have been lucky enough to cross paths for many years. So
0: this is great. Now, all of you got your first job working in sports when it really was unusual to to see uh, a lot of women, maybe. you know any women at all, and so I'd love to hear from each of you on this. How have you seen uh, the sports industry change to include more women in in leadership? And and Laura, I'll start with you. I mean, you've worked uh, in Major League Baseball and now with an NFL team. What changes have you seen from your early days?
2: Yeah, I think the evolution over time really is based in kind of the rooting of of DEI as a whole, mm-hmm. right? That two heads are better than one. The different perspectives are important. And I really I'm not a marketing expert, but I really feel like over time that it had been the women are making a lot of the purchasing decisions. And so that evolution, I think, helped fuel that. But I think over time there was even when I started in baseball, there was a woman who was doing girls baseball. So I think it has evolved in a very kind of organic way in some senses, but some of it has been more deliberate to say Look, there's another perspective that can help us, and there's a service level or there's an expertise. Um, so there's different spots that I would look at and say, these people are the pioneers in mm-hmm. that area. Um, but I think when I started in you know nineteen ninety eight, which seems eons ago, um there was probably only two of us, you mm-hmm. know, in I would say leadership roles. Um, And now I'm happy to say I'm at an NFL team where there's, you know, three women at the C-level space. Mm
0: -hmm. And and Nancy, what about you? How do you describe the changes you have seen over the last two decades?
1: Everything that Laura said, I also think, and we probably have all experienced this in in our industry, it's gone from a very small front office business side to a much larger, um, robust, complicated and, and dynamic uh, industry. And so with that becomes an opportunity for the expertise that Laura talked about and those new opportunities uh, for women to come in and the realization that our, our fans are women. They're, As oh. Laura said, they're, they're making those purchase decisions, and it only really makes business sense to have your front office Look like your fan base and your community.
0: So there, there's been this growing recognition. We're missing out on a perspective, but we're also missing out on some money by not having some women in here <laughs> making decisions. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: And um, Andrea, what about you? How how are things different now than than you when you first started working professionally?
3: I, I, they're so different. I uh, I can beat everybody because I started doing this in 1985 as soon as I got to college. So I've been I've been slogging away as a woman in sports for a long time. Uh, for me, I think the biggest difference. And uh, Nancy and I were at at an event a couple weeks ago, and the mm-hmm. entire table was made up of twins front office people that were all women. And I even said to Nancy that night, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And behind me was a table of the Vikings. That was nine out of the 10 people at the table were women. Oh, right now. Did you There were so many pictures that night. That's but great. For me at this stage in my career to, to see that many women surrounding me in the business is remarkable. And I think part of it is When we were when I was younger, there was a perception that you had to really know the sport in order to work in the sport, like somehow Mm -hmm. that the men, because maybe the men played football in high school, they were better off. But what I learned as I was getting older is it doesn't I'm not making sporting decisions. At all. Nobody wants me making a sporting decision. It's a business decision. It's a business decision. My job is to fill the stadium, get the sponsors, provide our head coach what she needs to to keep her players healthy and safe and play well. Mm -hmm. But you don't need to know intricacies about the quarterback or your starting pitching lineup because no one's asking us, by the way. And so I think that opens Mm -hmm. up the door for a lot of women to feel more comfortable to be here just because we can't throw 90 mile an hour fastballs. Maybe there is someone out there who can, but (laughs) that's not a requirement to work for a team.
0: And uh, I'm also curious about how each of you became interested in sports um, and sort of your early experiences that led you into a career in the field. And and Andrea, I'll start with you, because I know um, you have an interesting story about your childhood and the role your father played in in making you excited about sports and seeing yourself in it.
3: Yeah, I did. My parents are immigrants, and uh, so I'm first generation American and grew up in Baltimore. and my father really wanted to acclimate to America and he was trying to figure out like how do I connect with Americans and sports seemed to be the way to do it at the time Baltimore had the Colts the Orioles were hot and so we just we went to a lot of sporting events we lived near Memorial Stadium and so at quarter to seven on a Wednesday night we would walk over to the Orioles game and um you just made friends with everybody around you. I lost my voice during the World Series and a trucker next to me taught me how to whistle, which I can still do with my fingers today. I can <laughs> I can shut a crowd down with my whistle. Um, that sort of connectivity you experience all over the world, right? If you're wearing a Vikings hat and you're in Europe, yes. somebody mm-hmm. will stop you and be like, are you from Minnesota, right? Or the mm-hmm. same with the wild. And we are seeing Aurora gear now pop up all over the world. It's a unifier that has nothing to do with race. Economic background, education. You're happy when the Vikings win. You're sad when the Vikings lose, and that's all we need.
0: So you have this memory, this affection for sports, and how it can connect people. So then that made you think about, oh, maybe I could. I just work. want to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: it just seemed like a really happy place, and that even when you're sad because your team lost, like it's not real life, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saving anybody's life, right? We're just it's entertainment and it's fun and. I found it very joyous. And I was lucky because the Orioles won the World Series when I was 15. So I was at a very impressionable age. And my dad took me to the stadium at 3 in the morning to wait for the team to come home. And, And you're out there with thousands and thousands the first time I drank champagne like how do you not want to recreate that for your career when you've had that as your childhood Mm.
0: and Nancy what about you when you think about uh very young Nancy not that you're not young now but (laughs) but little Nancy uh uh, how did you get started working in sports and how did you see yourself as as someone like oh I can really make a contribution to this
1: Uh, first of all Andrew amazing story um (laughs) champagne at 15 at 3 in the morning (laughs) I could do that (laughs) <laughs> Nancy, let's do, do it. That. I'm
3: ready. I'll be downtown Minneapolis when the Twins win.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Can we just maybe not make it three in the morning? I <laughs> um, no, um, I was not. I think, Andrew, you were an athlete, weren't you?
3: Nope, I was not an athlete.
1: No, you weren't. Okay, so you and I are very similar. I was always the sports fan. I was the person that every Sunday was sitting with my dad watching the Vikings, and I could tell you every single player I um, I actually, I, I impressed my husband when he started throwing out. Okay, so name the 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 kicker for whatever season. I'm like, well, it was Fred Cox. Um, so I was that kid <laughs> with my dad, and that was, you know, that growing up on on Sundays. And I actually was just that football fan, and I got more connected to baseball as I got older. Um, but it's it, it was like Andrew said, it's that that connective tissue. It, it gives you a community even if it's a community of strangers, it it connects you. And there's something really, really powerful in that. And, and you, you are joyous at the start of every season and you go up and down with them. And there's always that hope. Um, And I'm, it's, it's such a part of my life and the ability to make it uh, something that I can be part of every day and bring that joy to um, our fans is really great opportunity. I got into it kind of by dumb luck, my uh, my career in sports actually started with an internship at the Gophers.
4: Um,
1: oh. And it was a, 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 I was in my master's program, and I, I went to school with a student who had been an, a student athlete. I didn't want to study that day, and he had to go to the athletic department. So I went with him. Um, Did you say you didn't it, want
0: to study that day? Like, you just I weren't didn't want to, feeling it. I didn't, I didn't want to
1: study. I, <laughs> okay. exactly, I was not feeling it. And... Um, the person whose office was directly outside the lobby was the head of marketing. And I was getting my master's Mm -hmm. in marketing. I thought, wow, I never really thought about being able to take what I'm learning into this type of a field. And if I had decided to study that day, I might've been at Kimberly Clark instead, (laughs) but I ended up um, working for the Gophers Mm -hmm. and it, it just, it put me on this path that has been just a tremendous honor to be able to um, call it a career.
0: And your first uh, job with a professional sports team, that was with the Detroit Tigers, yes?
1: Uh, no, uh, Oakland Athletics. O-
0: Oakland Athletics, that was first. Yes. What was that like, jumping into a, a professional team?
1: It was tremendous. Um, you know, when you at that time when you were in the college level, I mean, you do everything. I was selling, I was creating ads, I was running pallet jacks, I can run a smoke what? machine. <laughs> oh, yes. You do everything, and so then, to go to oakland um, it was it was just a bigger stage, and just the energy and it was really my first experience of outdoor baseball um, and it was it was a really wonderful time
0: now as as a young woman, were there women working there that were your mentors, or were you surrounded by men?
1: you know both um. In, in Oakland, there was a leader in their baseball department, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and I was, you know, my boss was a man, but he was such an advocate for me. Um, and it, I, I have um, been blessed by amazing women in my life, but I've also been blessed by amazing men that have been... Um, Mentors and have championed me and given me opportunities, um, so I think that that's really important for anyone mm. who's kind of thinking about this career is find those people that that will champion you, and it doesn't have to be another woman. But boy, those women! I mean, just you know, with Laura and Andrew, you can tell there's some pretty amazing women in this industry. Mm.
0: And Nancy, uh, f- for for you, what how do you describe what it means? Um, you know, to 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 jump into Um, You know, working into sports and and to, you know, the the role that you have now, um, you know, to be a a, a vice president of community uh, engagement, Nancy, Um, what do you do overseeing the twins? And were you part of the decision to like delay the uh, opener from today (laughs) with the nasty weather to tomorrow? I I think a lot of people just wondering that. Did you help with that decision?
1: (laughs) Yes. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get to manage the outcome of that in a lot of ways. Um, you know, my role, it's um, community engagement is an umbrella that has its a lot of different things. Uh, within our group, it's our foundation, um, our uh, charitable giving. It is our external DEI. Uh, our jewel events, family relations, and the most important piece, our mascot program. Um, but there, the connective tissue with all of that is kind of the the, the human connection and the and the outreach um, to whether it be the fans or our community. A really important part of the, the twins brand. That's it, an honor to be part of it. And while my background prior had always been in marketing, coming over here, there's a lot of parallels. But what I found that brought me the most joy that was unique is the ability to get closer to the individual that we're we're either serving as a fan or or as a member of the community and being able to engage and be able to, as as Andrew talked about, bringing that joy. But bringing it on that one-on-one level um, is really unique and, and so rewarding. Well, I'm glad you are in that
0: position. Uh, uh, Laura, you're, I believe, one of of three women at the executive level uh, in the Minnesota Vikings front office. You're the chief people and culture officer. I asked you about this when you walked in. I'm like, oh, that's a nice title. Uh, What does that mean?
2: Yes. Yes, it's a great question. And um, I thank uh, Kevin Warren for that initial part of people and culture that's out there. But it's really human resources and DEI. I you know, mm-hmm. if I talk to HR professionals, I say the evolution was personnel back in the day and then it was human resources and right. now it's people and culture focused, which and to me is much more of diversity, a diversity. Equity and inclusion
0: when you say DEI, yes, that's part yes, of it yes. too. So yes. so Thank what you. what are some of the things that you do?
2: Um, you know, some of it is the traditional HR aspect of things, you know, the kind of hiring professional development, you know, kind of um, strategizing, you know, right now we just finished our budget process, right? What is the org chart needed for the jobs that we're trying to do in the year? Um, There's other times where there's broader organizational initiatives that we're working on, you know, whether it's at... um, Our sister company, MV Ventures, um, you know, where Andrea comes out and plays with the Aurora or some of those other areas. Uh, Recently, probably we've had a lot of conversations even at the leadership level about, you know, our plans um, for a community, for example, flag football. Some of those conversations come up. So the higher in the organization, I think there's different strategies that you focus on, but there's the traditional piece of really we're trying to make this a best place to work a culture that everyone wants to thrive and
0: flourish in. So that means you have, uh, you you play a role in in making decisions about recruitment. And so when you think about recruitment, who do you want working for the Minnesota Vikings?
2: Yes. What kind of person? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think you've heard it even from Andrew and Nancy. There is a, I would say, characteristic skill set of people who like to work in sports. And as Nancy said, because I was just saying, yes, that's exactly it. And and the joy that Andrea had commented on. There are people who thrive in that kind of internal service or customer service focus and like to be in an innovation, ever-changing area. If someone is a, I would say, routine Individual, They probably don't love maybe the stressors and the roller coasters of sports. Um, but for us, you know, I think, again, the diversity, equity, inclusion space is really, really important because we do want to have our front office represent our fan base that we have out there. So, you know, trying to bring people in from a lot of different walks of life. Um, you know, our our GM and our chief operating officer both come from maybe unique backgrounds. They're more mm-hmm. on the investment banking side versus a traditional sports area. Um, so that's, you know, a focus that we try to do all the time. I would say we invest heavily also in the recruitment process, right, to try to have essays and phone screens and other things that maybe remove some of the biases that people might have Naturally, if I'm looking at someone face to face
0: and then what what role do you play um, with the players in terms of of their training and their the culture that they create within the organization, because they have very powerful roles as well.
2: Sure. I I personally don't necessarily interact directly Mm -hmm. with the players. I work with individuals, you know, that are um, working closely with them. Someone in our department, Molly, she works with our benefits. So that is a big component, right, of making sure that they are taken care of on the different areas. Um, Players' families gets, you know, handled within our front office. So Mm -hmm. usually Mm -hmm. I'm more kind of, um, I would say, behind the scenes in that setup. But we work very closely from the benefits payroll side for coaching, for example, as well. So we're a support function, candidly. Um, and as Andrea said, I don't know statistics or other things of all the different players. Um, but we do try to make sure that they have no concerns about payroll and benefits they in have some of they those other areas. Yeah, they So they can focus on their
0: expertise. Mm-hmm. And Andrea, uh, you're one of the founders. I love anytime anyone is a founder or something, I'm just in awe uh, of, of, of them. One of the founders uh, of the Minnesota Aurora uh, a community-owned women's soccer team. So tell me what that means. What does that mean to say that the Aurora are community-owned?
3: So when we had the idea to create Aurora, uh, there was a group of us that uh, Matt Provatsky was the one who actually had the idea. He invited us to a, a meeting. Out of that came five people who we call the founders who were Decided that we could do this, but we didn't have the money. None of us were independently wealthy to just go start a team. And so we uh, had the idea, West actually to have community owned, make it community owned so people could buy shares in the team. It was how we found our funding in order to start the team. Sign our rent out at uh, TCO with the Vikings and things like that. And, and, so people, how, and how many
0: community owners are there? We have 3,080. Wow.
3: Um, they're in uh, 48 states, uh, really still upset about West Virginia and Delaware. Okay, and, not to name names, but not to name West Virginia names, and Delaware. Um, and eight, eight <laughs> countries. So oh, wow. we ended up catching fire across the world with soccer fans and just people who wanted to support women's sports. Wow. And it is really our secret sauce. So we have we an have army of. Th- 3,080 people that anytime we do anything, they share it, they invite their friends. It's a powerful, powerful marketing tool and Mm -hmm. makes us really special.
0: So what was going on in your life when you're like, you were At the time, were you working for the Minnesota United when you decided?
3: No, that... when I get invited to this meeting, it was COVID. Um, I am a freelance marketer. All mm. of my work had dried up, and I was mm. sitting at home yelling at my adult children who had moved home <laughs> from the East Coast and <laughs> weren't, you know, helping clean the kitchen. And so we got invited to this meeting, and I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else, so I'm going to go, but also I'm intrigued. And so I was able to jump in with both feet I had been doing a lot of event work before that and it was all gone never imagined we'd be here now I I could have and I have a big imagination I could have never scripted what was going to happen last season
0: but what makes you passionate about it that is it your uh, affection not just for sports but for uh, women's sports
3: yeah, I think for me, we talk a lot about developing our young women athletes and giving them the tools that they need to be successful in the world. But for me, it's about having a place where women can come in, get jobs to start in sports, and then go to something bigger, right? So to mm. to be qualified to be the VP of Communications at the Vikings, you don't just get to walk into the Vikings, right? You have to start somewhere. And so we have given a place for people to be able to start uh, and be in a safe space with female leadership that they feel comfortable, hopefully, you know, making mistakes, asking the questions, learning, and not quite maybe having to do it as hard as I did when I started. But then uh, in 10 more years, I hope there are Aurora front office people and players on teams across the United States. That, that would make me so happy. It's just to know that we have this whole network of people that started here, that we gave them their chance, taught them how to do it. And then they get snatched up by other organizations.
0: I'm thinking about m- maybe some some young women who might be listening today, and um, you know, do you find in conversations with, with with young people that they are asking about opportunities to to work for a sports team that that becomes you know uh, an option that maybe they hadn't considered before, but now they're like, oh yeah, I can combine this thing that I love with this thing that I'm studying in school. Are you having more conversations with college yeah, students? Yeah, it's about changed
3: that? a lot for me. Um, I would say for the first. 25 years of my career, I got a lot of emails from either friends' sons saying, could I have an informational interview with you? And it was probably 99% young men. Mm -hmm. And now I get a tremendous amount from young women just asking for coffee. Even our own players who might want to go into sports, they will email and say – you know, could, could we have coffee? I'd really love to hear more about your path, but also how I can do this. And it gives me a chance to say there are so many jobs in sports, right? If you're a numbers person, accounting, legal, HR, marketing, you know, now in baseball, and Nancy, congrats, but now in baseball, I think there's a female general manager down in Tampa. So there's on the sporting side now, there's starting to be female coaches in the NFL, Mm. It's really incredible mm. what's happening. Mm.
0: And and Nancy, what, what are you how would you describe conversations you're having with people, uh young people who are interested in careers working uh on the business side of sports?
1: Yeah, it's it's very much what, what Andrew was saying. I I think as we look at our intern class, it's it's fifty fifty male female. Um mm-hmm. and it's in all uh it's in the it's on the business side, it's on the baseball side. It's those Those gates are swinging open and and what Andrew said, yes, there's uh, the general manager of the Marlins, a woman named Kim Ng, first female general Mm -hmm. manager in in baseball, but we're seeing it uh, with officials, we're seeing it ownership. This is such an exciting time for any young woman um, thinking about this as a career because every every door is open. Um, It doesn't mean that's going to be easy to walk through. So you need to have people who are uh, allies of yourself, confidence in yourself. Um, but I'm I'm excited for this next generation of, of young women and, and what they're going to be able to accomplish in our industry.
0: Hmm. And and what about you, Laura, uh, in terms of interest in jobs? Are you finding uh, more young folks are asking, like, is there an opportunity for me to pursue my career in marketing? I am interested in HR, uh, and maybe a sports team would be a good fit.
2: Yeah, no, it totally is. And, and as Andrea and Nancy said, I... This is where probably the diversity, equity, inclusion piece comes in. Representation matters. And and I, I, I knew Kim, actually, um, Nancy. So it, that was – literally, I cried when I saw that she got that job. I was just – Kind of dumbfounded to say, oh, my gosh, I never thought I'd see this in my career.
0: So we're talking about, uh, and I have it in my notes here, in 2020, uh, the Miami yes. Miami Marlins announced yes. they were hiring uh, Kim uh, Ng as their GM, the first woman to become a general manager in the history of any major North yes. American men's professional sports team. That's a lot, Kim. Uh, and so yeah. it, and, and it, and it had a ripple effect. Everyone yes. was excited.
2: Yes. There, and again, as, as uh, that has been said, right, the women coaches, some of the different areas, um there are people, and I would say I was one of them, probably. I wasn't necessarily the same as um, Nancy and Andrew saying, I'm going to get into sports. But I I love the challenge of when someone says, you can't do that. <laughs> it's like not, nothing motivates me more. <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so anyway, there's a lot of women that now that have looked at that. And hopefully we have paved the way in a different space. Um, but I love it when we have so many women's professional groups and areas where people are actively encouraging women to say, no, you can do this, you know, referees, whatever that might be. And Mm. I think it is a really important point that Andrea said, and this is where I fall. My love is human resources, Um, and I get to do it in a dynamic, fun industry that's there. And so I think a lot of people don't understand you don't have to be an expert in some aspect of the sport itself but the business has evolved over time to nancy's point you know the front offices went from like 50 people to now 300 or something so there are
0: more opportunities
2: yes right yes
0: right uh nancy because we do have the minnesota twins home opener tomorrow i do want to ask a little bit about that uh the team is unveiling a new art installation i'm told at the ballpark it's dedicated to women and baseball tell us more about that nancy
1: really excited about this um, you know we've talked a lot about the on field and uh, that part of the our games have been dominated by by women for baseball and and for for the Vikings but doesn't mean that there that is ch- not changing and that there has always been strong women in our game and this is a, an art uh, piece that pays tribute to Minnesota women that have influenced our game. Everything from uh, someone like Isla Borders, who was actually on the field as a pitcher, um, to women in our front office and women throughout the game. Um, it's really exciting to recognize these accomplishments. But what I really love about it is, while while they, the people behind us have moved us forward, this is an inspiration for that next generation. It, it features silhouettes of four young girls that actually it's it's from a photo from our girls baseball camp with the inspiration of you are the next generation you will carry this game forward and you will carry the women in this game forward and so it's it's the baton passing with that inspiration that history and that groundbreaking and asking this next generation to continue to break ground
0: and so, what kind of feedback do you, do you think you hope that you'll get from people when they see uh, this art installation for the first time? What are you hoping that they will come away feeling and thinking?
1: Pride, I think, probably in some cases, awareness, uh, because there's some there are people on on that are depicted on here that people may not even be aware of. So, an understanding of some of that history, but more than anything, particularly, I'm I'm all about that next generation of of young girls and young women inspired, open their eyes to I can be anything in this game, and hopefully anything in this world.
0: Mm. And then to, um, to, to Laura and, and Andrea, um, you got to see it right to believe you can do it. And so do you feel that in some of the, your community appearances out in public that uh, you are sending a message to the, the, the next generation of, of, of women workers or women professionals that yeah, you can do this too? Yes, yeah.
2: for sure. I I will say one of the parts that I have been pleasantly surprised at in Minnesota, in particular, um, in Atlanta and Detroit, I would often be, "Oh, whose wife are you? Are you <gasps> someone's girlfriend, right?" Yeah, like, no, no, <laughs> I I am actually part of the front office, right? right? I I have not gotten that once in Minnesota. So thank you, Minnesota. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Right. thank you, Minnesota. But it it is an, a different space and the point of us being out in the community and, and Andrea and her space is just an amazing story. And again, the representation matters that, you know, young girls and young women can look at it and say, I can do that.
3: Mm-hmm. And for us, we try to put women in every possible spot. So our entire coaching staff is female. Our team, doctor, Dr. Dr. Hikes from twin cities Orthopedic, She's amazing. Our team trainer is female. Our strength and conditioning coach is female. We have a mental health coach joining us this year. She's female. Mm-hmm. Those are all jobs. Like Mm -hmm. those are all real things that if you come to our games, you'll see all these women on the sidelines doing all these different things. And it takes all of them in order to make our team function. And that's not who's even behind the scenes. So just those are the visible pieces of our Mm -hmm. team. And so any 10-year-old coming to a game might see Dr. Hykus down there helping a player stretch out, Mm -hmm. manage something. You know, she gets hit in the face with a soccer ball. She needs to come off for a minute. Dr. Heikens is right there. And that's really also mm-hmm. important for young women to see. to
0: see. All right. Let's take some phone calls uh, from listeners as we talk uh, with women in leadership positions in, in sports. Uh, want to hear your stories? Give us a call at 651-227-6000 uh, or 800-242-2828. In Eaton Prairie, Julia is on the line. Good morning, Julia. Thank you for listening. And what you want to share with us?
4: Well, right before the break, you were asking for women in other uh, male-dominated industries. Yes. So I'm not in the sports. Mm-hmm. I'm in sports. But I just came back from a conference yesterday in my male-dominated industry where I actually am co-chairing um, a committee for women in my industry because we're in such a male-dominated industry. What is your What is your uh, industry? <laughs>
0: what, what What
4: kind of work? What field are you in? I sell shipping containers. Okay and um and it's very male dominated and um so over the last year we just developed this uh program for women in our industry because we're we're pretty outnumbered and it was so incredibly positive and i i have to say just shout out to aurora because as a Soccer fan, are so excited. You guys are here and love you. Um, but you. Um, but we're trying to do a lot of what you're doing, like showing women doing things because um, I think it's that seeing that. So we had a panel talking about what are women doing in our industry and showing the variety of different options that are there and trying to kind of show that living it because it can be tough when you're the one kind of alone doing it and kind of not feeling it always. Mm. <laughs> um so, uh, uh, and uh, so have you seen a, a change it's better
0: now than it was when maybe you first started working in the business oh. uh decades yeah, ago definitely
4: oh yeah because i've been in the industry for 20 years and i have to say i mean I, when i first started i would get calls asking for my boss even though i own the company oh, and how'd that um, go how did those
0: conversations go <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh great
4: <interesting>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i still get calls where i mean i was just up at this conference i was a finalist for an innovation award and i'll still get people asking mm. me if i know how to do some very basic things and um like yes, yes, I know how to do that. Uh, <laughs> and so, you think they're asking uh,
0: because you're a woman?
4: Oh, most definitely, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and and that was a very common theme that we were talking about at some of our at our women's reception. That we were like, oh, yes, it's so frustrating um, <laughs> because you're just not taken seriously, mm-hmm. or like you were saying, like your other guest was saying, like, oh, are you here because you're the wife of the owner, or are you here because you're, you know. Right. Um, but things you are must changing. Be the accountant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're not the one that's selling it.
0: Um, so, thank you. That's uh, Julia at Eaton Prairie uh, selling shipping containers, and and so what do you hear in in, in her story of, of what she's shared about what she's dealing with even now, uh, being the owner of her company?
3: It's it's still it's always. I did an interview for a position we had open in December. I'd be super curious if you've ever had this. <laughs> a, a gentleman came. First of all, the people who apply for jobs with us. Majority of the men absolutely do not have the qualifications. But they apply anyway. And then (laughs) what does that tell you?
0: Just confidence. Confidence, right? right? Women
3: who I very much think are qualified to do our jobs will not apply thinking, oh, well, I I can't do that one thing that's on the list. And I'm like, but you can do the other nine things. Mm -hmm. So we'll figure out how to help you do the one. But I interviewed this guy in December who basically explained to me during the interview how important it was for me to have a relationship with the Minnesota Vikings. And I got up after 11 minutes and said, thank you for your time. I wasn't going to sit there any longer having somebody explain to me how basically my main partner in the Minnesota Vikings, where I play my games and love and have worked with for decades, back to the 1992 Super Bowl, is important to me. Like, how do you say that (laughs) out loud in an interview with the president of the team? So I feel her pain. It does still happen on a regular it doesn't happen to me as much anymore because i've been doing it as long but occasionally this was only december you really just do want to scream
2: mm-hmm. yeah and yeah there's a few stereotypical things like i don't remember the exact statistics about how men apply or women don't and in sports there is a unique piece there isn't a a career trajectory like there would be in corporate america so there has to be a little bit of bandwidth Um, But to your original question, Angela, I I think the issue is I I still feel this, unfortunately, at every event that women feel like they have to rattle off their resume in order to have the instant credibility in some of those spaces. So when Julia said that, I was just cringing, thinking, yes, Mm -hmm. I I feel your pain that you're having to demonstrate you can do whatever the skill set was that she was referring to, but... That's, that still exists, unfortunately.
0: And Nancy, in your job at, uh, as a vice president there at the Minnesota Twins in community engagement, any stories to share about uh, how maybe men and women show up differently when they apply for jobs in their interviews or just how they see themselves in their roles?
1: I, the Andrea was talking about that study. It, it's actually a really well-known study that Harvard did in, in terms of, men apply for jobs where they, I think they meet about 60% of the criteria and women will mm. only apply for a job if they meet a hundred percent, which is ridiculous. I think it also, and Laura probably will attest to this. What we need to be doing is looking at those job descriptions and, and mm. making sure that as we, as we put forward, what is really required of a job and, and versus what you know that you can't be twelve different items. If these are the three critical things, put those three critical things. And women, stretch yourself. You don't have to have a, a, like the perfect background for that job. We all have the ability to grow into things. Um, you know, as I think about those times when. I've been mistaken for, you know, an assistant. I'm 5'3", I'm, I'm so I've got that, that like, <laughs> I'm already at a disadvantage. So I'm, like, looked over physically. Um, but I look at that that's not a reflection on me. That's more a reflection on the, on the person. Um, I know what I'm capable of. I know my position. I, I know the um, my ability and my role within the organization. And if you're going to assume that it's something different, have at it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I want to take some more phone calls uh, from listeners as we talk about uh, working in a field previously dominated by men uh, and how things have changed and uh, wondering, have you experienced this? What challenges and changes have you seen in the field that you work in? Call us at 651-227-6000 as we talk about women in sports. Uh, Let's take a call uh, from St. Paul where Kristen is on the line. Good morning, Kristen.
5: Good morning.
0: Hi. What do you want to share with us?
5: Yeah, I want to say my name is Kristen with Topline Construction Firm. I have a small brooking company, and I came into the industry when I was 19 years old. I'm 36 now. Wow. And
0: In construction. Yeah. In construction. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yep,
5: in construction. And right off the bat, the first thing that I learned was my voice is naturally high, and I immediately learned to mm. drop it so that it was a lower voice. I uh, learned right off the bat to not say good morning, smiling. You always say morning and you're, <laughs> everything you're doing is trying to bring that authority back to yourself oh my. and to be someone that can be taken seriously in an industry that was and still is male dominated. Yes. And back to what a bunch of the previous callers were mentioning. It is when you show up at a job site or when you take a phone call or when you meet a homeowner for the first time, they are frequently saying, sweetheart, or, oh, is it, where's your dad? Is this your dad's business? Or is, is your husband on the job site? Is he going to be there? And in the beginning, because what I cared about was getting ahead in the industry or being successful in my business, I didn't, it's not that I didn't care, but I didn't allow it to be something to pay attention to. And I would always just let it go or gloss over or they can think, whatever they think, as long as I'm moving forward here, right? Mm-hmm. Then in 2020, the pandemic hit, and NPR had lost a a third of their support because all of their advertising was through large venues, First Avenue, The Met, uh, all these in-person events. And I started advertising. I had advertised all over. Not much of it had worked. I started advertising with NPR in 2020. And I thought, well, if it works, great, I get some leads. And if it doesn't, then I'm supporting this news that I care about. All of a sudden, for the first time ever, it's a different target market. I found my niche. And for the first time, I'm even able to advertise as a woman-owned contractor. And the audience that listens to it loves it and has supported it and has been happy to be a part of it or to share the story. And so while we're in a culture and a time that is changing and we hope progressing, right? Mm -hmm. It was also really unique to just change who I was trying to market to or who I was trying to, to talk to.
0: And so, um, uh, Kristen, you said you were 19 when you started. You're 36 now. Uh, I, I'm i curious, the voice I'm hearing now, is this your, your lower businesswoman voice or is this your, which voice am I hearing here? <laughs>
5: You're, you're hearing the lower. It kind of became okay. my voice. But it doesn't um, matter to I, me because
0: I'm listening to your words. So uh, uh, I'm I'm yeah. happy. You have a great story. And so what what words of encouragement do you have for other women who are working in industries, um, you know, that traditionally have been male dominated? Any advice?
5: I think that the most important thing to remember is because we know we are in these situations or like two dates, I don't meet with the adjusters because the adjusters won't buy the rust for me. So, I actually have a Latino guy that meets with them and it just deflects everything. So, I think it's important, one, to recognize the situation that you're in and that it needs to change. But I think that, two, it's important to figure out how to work within that dynamic so that you can find your success. And as a default, you existing and being there is going to continue to change toward what you're trying to be so mm-hmm. we we can't make a perfect tomorrow today so if we can find a way to work inside of what it is and keep pushing it forward that is what's creating the pathway for the women of yeah. tomorrow
0: thank you that's kristen uh, in st paul the owner of a, a small construction company a roofing company i believe she said uh another phone call in moorhead we've have flora on the line flora what do you want to tell us about uh working in an industry uh previously dominated by men that has changed
5: Okay, <laughs> um, I'm 70 years old currently, and I became a carpenter in 1986. Wow,
4: awesome! And the first Wonderful. Time I
5: ever got it was making a sign in a sign shop. Hmm. Anyway, I was accused of being a lesbo by my uh, supervisor, and I said, "Well, that might be, but I haven't tried it yet." <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> and so, uh, I already had
5: four kids.
0: <laughs> you already had four kids. Okay, so yeah. one of the first people, uh, maybe, to graduate from your carpentry school, I'm guessing. Second one, the second, second one, girl, to, right? And so, uh, what advice do you have for for young women or or girls interested in carpentry today, or who want to go into this field?
5: Well, one thing I want to say is I was five foot three and three quarters. I'm currently <laughs> five one. <laughs> And my daughters are that size and smaller, and I always tell them, just don't say you can't, Mm -hmm. because you're your own, you know, best supporter or best person to look down on yourself.
0: Be your own cheerleader, yeah. All right. No, that's uh, Flora and Moorhead. Thank you, Flora. Uh, uh, in our last couple of minutes here, I, I just want to give each of our guests a, a chance. Uh, uh, Nancy, any advice that you have for our, our, our young women out there, our girls thinking about their career moves and where they can and cannot make a, a space for themselves?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, thanks for this opportunity. Um, it's it's interesting. Yesterday, I was talking to one of my female co-workers and she said, it took me a long time to realize that it was okay to ask for help, that it was a sign of strength and not of weakness. So I would say, Mm -hmm. ask questions and, you know, ask for help. That is how you're going to grow and, and advance and at a much faster rate.
0: I love that. Thank you, Nancy. Laura, uh, 30 seconds. Give me some advice.
1: Yeah, I was
2: just going to say real quick, I think that aspect of knowing your allies and building your squad is really important, and that's a great Mm -hmm. message that Nancy said about asking for help and not feeling uncomfortable about it, and for women to also realize there are a lot of male allies that are out there as well.
0: Andrea?
3: I think for me, the biggest thing is um, what we're doing, especially at Aurora, is not just for the females. Um, Please bring your sons to our games, and your Mm -hmm. brothers and your fathers, Because what's going to make this next generation better, including my 26-year-old and my 23-year-old boys, is understanding that women can be in all of these spaces. And we can't do it by ourselves. So I don't want to hear, oh, Minnesota Aurora is great for me to bring my daughter. No, Minnesota Aurora is also great to bring your son because Mm -hmm. they can see what we're doing. And this next generation is just going to make it all so much better. So by the time I'm retired, these conversations hopefully – Won't be a conversation anymore, which would make me so happy. Also, come to our
0: games. Yes. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Tickets on sale now. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank uh, all three of you for your time. I know you're all super busy. Uh, We've been talking to uh, three women in leadership positions and sports. Our guest, Nancy O'Brien, Vice President of Community Engagement for the Minnesota Twins, Laura Juris, Executive Vice President and Chief People and Culture Officer for the Minnesota Vikings, and Andrea Yak, President and Co-Founder of Minnesota Aurora. Thank you so much for your time. Today's conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom.